Hey Skeeters fans, Ryan Posner here, and we are back with another episode of Down in Sugarland. On today's episode, my co-host Brandon and I will just give you an overview of what's going on with the Skeeters season so far, about a month and a half in. Then, in segment two, we'll give you a little breakdown of some craziness we've had on the offensive end the last couple of nights. And lastly, as we always do, we're wrap up with a little fun, and we're going to have a Pick a Skeeter segment to close out this episode. Hit the music, Troy. All right, guys, welcome into another episode of Down in Sugarland. It's been a while. Yeah, I just want to see how you guys doing. How you doing, Brandon? Dude, living the dream, man. Baseball's back, doing fine. How are you, Paz? Oh, I'm great. Troy, what's what's the good word? How are you doing over there? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm enjoying the season so far. It's been a fun fun watch, at least uh, from our standpoint. Yeah, we haven't uh, spoken spoken to you guys since the season started. Skeeters are 25 and 15 entering this week, uh, finishing up a series against El Paso before... Coming back home for the first time ever for the OKC Dodgers to take a trip to Constellation Field. But, uh, you know, Brandon, there's a lot that's gone on, um, obviously, in this month and a half since we, we last spoke. And, you know, a couple guys have definitely caught our eye. Um, it's The Cedars are in first place, so it's, it's overall collectively been a pretty good effort. But I feel remiss if you we were going to talk about how the season has gone so far. I think there's one guy you got to start with. Jose Siri. I mean, absolutely. Just... I mean, everything that he's doing right now, it's it's captivating. He's been absolutely lights out. I mean, you and I talked about him a lot on previous podcasts of somebody that was going to stand out, and boy, did he make us look good. He started off the season red hot. I mean, he had, he had our first home run as a AAA affiliate, our first grand slam. He started he had seven RBIs in one game at Albuquerque. I mean, he's he has just been dynamite with his hitting. Yeah, he set our franchise record, in, independent team included, with a. A seven RBI game. Um, that was a game in which he had a grand slam and a three run double. Um, he has two grand slams this year already. Already, I mean, it was one of those things too, where you know he came up and the Albuquerque broad, broadcaster Josh Suchan had kind of referenced it. He was coming up with like three guys on base, seemingly every at bat, but he was delivering every at bat too. And he's he's you know he had a little bit of a lull, but he's continued it up. But the way that he plays the game is just a very refreshing. You know, it's with a lot of flair, a lot of emotion, and. He's fun to watch. I mean, every at bat, he's one of those guys where like you kind of want to be like, okay, series up. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna. I want to be around for his at bat this inning. He's exciting because he'll be somebody who will actually like swipe bags if he hits a you know a ground ball up the middle and he sees that the outfielder's kind of dogging it. He's gonna turn it into two. He's a max effort kind of player. And then when he swipes in there and he does that little celebration move, yeah, that's my favorite thing to capture whenever I'm doing the cameras to get him to do his little striking pose. Yes, I mean, he he's just. He's worth the admission of a ticket to come and watch. He's so much fun. I mean, he's second on the team in multi-hit games with 12, just behind De La Cruz. He's been incredible with multi-RBIs. He's got 11 multi-RBI games. I mean, just an absolute hit machine. And you're right. When he came back to the homestand, he kind of had a little dip. But you typically see that to start off the seasons. Players will be red hot because a lot of pitchers are finding their groove. And then over time, they might have a little bit of dip. But he's starting to come back around again, man. And he's just so much fun to watch. Yeah, you you, you hit it right on the head right there with the price of admission. He's worth it. You you come and you pay to see a guy like that. His nickname is Raya, which translates to lightning in Spanish. And like that's the perfect nickname. Like He is a flash of lightning every time. He plays, and I mean, yeah, you talked about the RB, the four RBI. He has four four RBI games. No one else on the <laughs> Skeeters. There's only one person who had one of those games. That was Jake Myers. We will get to this last couple of days, and there's a lot of guys who are driving in 
runs at a pretty high clip. But one thing with Siri, you know, kind of as we wrap up the our thoughts here on him is uh, and Mickey's story, the Skeeter's manager has mentioned it. Jose Siri himself has mentioned it um, in some interviews is that they've really let him kind of play like he plays in the Dominican Winter Leagues, play with the emotion, the flair that he's comfortable with. You know, he's himself. And one thing that they've also expressed is, hey, if you play like that, we want you to come to the, after you go 0 for 4, we want you to come to that ballpark with that same fire that you did when you went 4 for 4 with a couple a couple of grannies. You know, they, they're they really preaching that to him. Um, but you can tell, I mean, with the comfort, he's playing a lot better. Well, it's also rubbing off on, like, the rest of the guys, too. You can see, like, whenever they get huge RBIs, base hits, home runs, like, they're celebrating, they're having fun, like, they genuinely seem like a team that enjoys each other. Like that clubhouse would be fun to hang around yeah. because they have that kind of passion. It's not so buttoned up and stiff. It's, you know, take what you do seriously, but have fun too. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the way the game's going. And I think that's for the best. Well, Brandon, let's turn to the pitching staff. And, you know, through the month of May, it was Brett Kanine's month. I mean, that <laughs> dude was shoving it in the month of May. I mean, he was dominant. He won pitcher of the month with a 4-0 uh, record, .95 ERA. I mean, absolutely just lights out. Opponents were only hitting a buck 67. I mean, he's somebody that was very interesting because back in college at Cal State Fullerton, he was their closer. And for him to be making that move to a starter, it's a lot different of a role. But he's starting to really come into his own element here and just... That that first month, you, you couldn't put a guy on the mound, and you just knew, like, all right, this game's ours. Like, it was just a W. It's like when DeGrom goes out there and pitches. You're like, one run might be a victory today. Yeah. He, he came into the season as uh, Baseball America had him as the best control pitcher on the Skeeter staff, and, I mean, he absolutely has been in control. I mean, when you can go through a month with a sub-one whiff, a sub-one sub, sub one ERA, I mean, that is that is pretty dang impressive. And a couple of other guys on the Skeeter staff, Ryan Hartman, the lefty, has been – been pretty impressive of late. And I know you've you've been pretty impressed with the guy, Johanse Torres, who I mean, he when he when he's on, man, that guy has got as good a stuff as anybody. So he's interesting. You and I have talked about him off air and, and stuff like that, where I kind of alluded that he reminds me a lot of Chapman. When Chapman was uh Raldis Chapman, when he was first starting out with the Reds, he had the same thing, could gas it up to like hundred and two miles per hour, but the control was an issue. And the Reds at first try to make Araldis into a starter. But then eventually realize like, okay, he's more electric when we just tell him to go out there, throw as hard as he can, and close it out in the ninth. I think that's what Johanze could be the best at. I think he would be somebody that is a lot more exciting to come out of the pen and just tell him, look, throw it as hard as you can to three guys, get three outs. Because when it's on, it's, it's just three up, three down. It's automatic. I think that's kind of the role I'd like to see him develop into more so than a starter. I get why you want to make him a starter. But I feel like in his own head, he's trying so hard to be controlled. And so he's dialing it down to 98, you know, rather than gassing it up to what he can do. And I don't I don't know. I'd like to see him kind of just take the the shackles off and just come in the ninth inning. Yeah, he, he's actually made a couple re appearances out of the bullpen. But even when he did that, it was a, a piggyback start. Like it was designed for yeah. him to go multiple innings. But it was the beginning of the year and yeah. against uh, Albuquerque. He came in a couple of times in relief yeah. and he had those electric innings. But and those then, were relief. Exactly. Innings. You know, they're really just design starts. That's that's kind of another theme uh, for the Skeeters. Definitely like to piggyback the starts, make sure you get guys. You know, it's kind of gives you a chance to carry some extra starters on the team. And uh, no, I'm with you. And I think uh Torres especially you might think oh that's some low-hanging fruit comparing him to Chapman it's like no the dude does throw like 100 miles an hour I it's mean it's insane. not it's not like he's throwing like upper 90s like no he can touch triple digits especially if he's only coming in and relief he did it in Albuquerque when he had yeah. that he came in for two innings the first inning three up three down was just lights out that second inning a lot of walks a little bit rougher and that's what I'm saying I think if you can control that to one inning it, he'll, he'll be exciting he's somebody else that's like 
again, worth a mission of a ticket just to watch yes. him throw that gas. And he plays with a lot of emotion. Love to see it. He's another guy. When, you, when he gets a big strikeout, he'll let you know yeah, it, and I'm, well, I'm a big fan of that. I am, too. It's a lot of fun. This team's a lot of fun. That's yes. the thing that makes them exciting. Not only do they back it up with their record, their hits, but they enjoy the game, and that's something that's kind of, I, I'd say, lacking right now, and you're starting to see a spike it and across all levels of baseball. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. Um, well, wanted to move here, Brandon, too, to something that we, you know, we always consider was going to be something that could happen was the rehab appearances. And, you know, given that we are the second closest AAA team to their parent club, St. Paul Saints are the closest only by about eight miles or so, we knew this was going to happen. But it seemed to happen a lot. Our first homestand um, against the El Paso Chihuahuas and Albuquerque Isotopes, we had Fromber Valdez come and make a, a start. We had Jacob Rizzi make a start. Uh, our last homestand, we had Lance McCullers bring half the city of Sugarland <laughs> into our ballpark. Um, we've had Jason Castro come here through here. Blake Taylor, um, the lefty reliever, has made a, a rehab stint here. And there's obviously going to be more to come um, in the coming weeks. But just want to get your opinion. You know, what was that crowd like for you when you when McCullers came? Because we had about 6,700-plus announced. Um, our, our ballpark holds 7,500. But it, you could tell me it was a sellout, and I would have been like, yeah, absolutely. Oh, for sure. Like, I, I've been with the team since 2017. I've never seen it that packed before. Like, I've seen some good quote-unquote sellouts, but nothing like that. It was literally, as far as the, the grassland, you couldn't see any grass where people were sitting out there in the outfield. Up on the bridge, it was still cars packed, lined over the bridge till about like the fourth inning. Like, it was insane just how many people were trying to get in for this game. The concession stands, like the up there in the concourse area, just full, and all the seats taken up too. Like, it was nuts to see the stadium that electric for Lance McCullers and he didn't disappoint. He came out and he was throwing gas. Yeah, there was an energy in the ballpark, and yes, he pitched well. That helped. He only let one run through four innings, struck out four batters, and he ended with a strikeout too, which like, he walks off the field, he yeah. tips his cap, and I get goosebumps thinking about it. I mean, that our park was electric that night. And this this guy, Lance McCullers, he went into our ground screw area. And the way our ballpark's constructed is if you kind of are on this bridge in right field, you can see into the ground screw area. People were throwing him hats, shoes, yeah. gloves, everything. And he stood there and signed autographs for probably 25 minutes after the game was over. I mean, he is a man of the people. You understand why they're drawn to him like that. It, it was just amazing to see, especially with that weekend, too, because boy, did Mother Nature not go kindly to us because that Framber Valdez game was also delayed as yes. well because of the rain just pouring down. And so he got pushed, which was supposed to be a double header. And to be honest, I'm kind of glad it did get pushed because I felt like we got to see more of him. Yes. And, and he stayed out there for that complete game out there. Or he didn't throw a complete game, but he'd stayed out there, I feel like, longer than a, just a seven inning double header game. Yeah. It, you. I was really about to go right there. I mean, it was disappointing in terms of attendance-wise because we never got to get the feel of what Fromber might have brought because yeah. the weather was horrific that yep. week. It was Fromber uh, on a Sunday night and then Odorizzi yeah. on a on a Monday night. Um, and both pitched well. Fromber, since he's came back, is 4-0 with a one six seven ERA. I mean, he, he is pretty much, you can call him the ace of that staff right now. I mean, just the way he's pitching. Obviously, Grinky's there and, I mean, McCullers as well. But just numbers-wise, I mean, Fromber is great. Odorizzi on Monday night, almost kick-started a, a combined no-hitter in Baltimore. So that was pretty yeah. that was pretty wild. Um, and he's pitched well. Another, a guy who you know, was a pretty big free agent signing. And just to have those guys roll through here so quickly, I think it really uh, it, it established with our fans and with our staff, like, hey, like this is the play that you're going to see. Yeah. And even Jason Castro, who you make an argument, you know, one of the most accomplished catchers in Astros history, just rolled through here for a couple of days. Castro I mean, the Astro, man. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, it's crazy. Um, and it's, it's fun. And we knew this was going to happen, but just to see it finally it gives you that context. One thing that was crazy about Fromber, getting to see him quote unquote up close, 
his jersey is tiny. Yeah. He likes that thing like a child's jersey on him. Yes. I mean, don't get me wrong. He is a jacked-up dude, but he likes a little jersey. No, yeah, I think he wore number six, and I asked our clubhouse guy. I think it was DJ, three. It was number three. It was three, yeah. And I asked our clubhouse guy, like, man, that's a tiny jersey. He's like, he likes his jerseys tight. I, I'm telling you, next start when you see it, because after I saw him in that Skeeter's jersey, I was like, does he wear them all like that? And then when I saw him pitching the next day, I was like, gosh, he really does like yeah. a small jersey. That's the kind of stuff we pick up on now because we, <laughs> we have basically guys rolling through here. Um, Brandon, lastly, you know, the standings as we, you know, enter the finale of the series in El Paso, one and a half game lead over Round Rock, setting up with a, a good series against OKC. You know, they entered Tuesday, five and a half games over the Dodgers. But, you know, it's great to see the Skeeters out in front. Round Rock, they came in here and they had a, they, they played very well and they took the first place lead, but the Skeeters taking it right back with a good series against El Paso. But it really does seem to be kind of a three headed race here in AAA East West. Uh, yeah. with Round Rock hanging pretty tough and then OKC kind of right in the background. Well, I mean, Skeeters were 16-6 and six in the month of May, so that red-hot start really helped out. And also, we're pretty dominant at home, 12-5 and five here at Constellation. So the fact that the quote-unquote third-place team right now, OKC coming into town, but coming into Constellation, that could really stretch the gap between us and Round uh, us, And it might make it just a two-headed race. Yeah, absolutely. And Round Rock's really been the only team that's given the Skeeters fits in a consistent yep. basis. Thus far, well, hey, Brandon, that was that was fun. We've watched a lot of baseball. We got to go talk through it. But we're going to, in this next segment, really zone in on what's happened the last couple nights because, folks, it has been just absolutely buck wild because the Skeeters are scoring runs at a rate of which they've never scored and very few teams ever get to score. So me and Brandon will deep dive into that. You're listening to Down in Sugar Land. Hey, Skeeters fans, every Houstonian knows that Cherry King Backyard Store is the first and only stop for when you upgrade your backyard. With the largest selection of outdoor furniture anywhere, you're sure to find the right look for your new backyard oasis. The finest quality merchandise at the lowest possible price every day. That's the Cherry King difference. Cherry King Backyard Store is proud to be the official outdoor furniture retailer of the Sugarland Skeeters. Visit one of the eight greater showrooms today. All right, welcome back to Down in Sugarland, Brandon. We went over just a basic overview of what's going on through the first month and a half of the season uh, to open up the show, but we really got to focus in on what's happened to open this week. The Skeeters on Sunday, a 24, yes, 24-15 win over El Paso, a game that lasted over four hours and did not go into extra innings. It was just a four-hour, nine-inning game. Um, actually, not our longest of the year, too. We can get to that later, but... They followed that up on Monday with a 10-1 victory, a game in which they led 10-0 up until the ninth inning. So it was a game in which they were in complete control. So kind of two contrasting wins. You have a game which your offense just has a day, and your pitching staff kind of, you know, it's also in the melee there. And then you, you go in on, on Monday, and you just absolutely dog walk the Chihuahuas. Um, and I just want to... Give me your reaction. Thoughts, Brandon. So the first thing that came to my mind before we started recording today, I said to Troy, imagine scoring 15 runs and losing by nine. Like, how do you, like, what's the conversation in the dugout, like in the locker room? Hey, pitching staff, uh, we'll get them next time, you know? I mean, 15 <laughs> runs usually is a dominant win, but to put up 24 in one game, and it seemed like everybody not only got a hit that game, but they had multiple home runs. Myers with three home runs, first ever time in Skeeter history. And then De La Cruz, two home runs that game as well. I mean, everybody was swinging a hot stick. There was only one player in the lineup who didn't record more than two hits. There were also only two players in the lineup who didn't drive in at least two runs. I mean, which you think that's like crazy, but to get 24 runs, that kind of has to happen. I mean, it was insane. It's, I it, because I remember I had to turn the game off early. I was I was a little bit busy that night, and then I saw the final score on Twitter. 
And I was like, yeah, I thought you made a mistake when you sent it out, to be honest with you. I was like, did we lose four to five and he just screwed up? I was like, there's no <laughs> way. 24 runs. And, you know, it, let's just go through the records here real quick while we while we were on the top here. So the, these are records that also encompass our time as an independent team, which was from 2012 to 19. 24 runs, the most ever. Um, the previous high was 18. It was accomplished twice, the last done, last so in 2016. Um, you mentioned uh, Jake Myers. Yes, the first player to ever hit three home runs at a game. Uh, seven home runs, <clears throat> excuse me, in the game. That's a fine. Yep. Um, seven home runs in the game. Uh, we had six in a game on Long Island in 2019. Passed that one. 23 hits. Also a record, um, surpassing 22, which was uh, done so in 2016. 12 extra base hits matched the Skeeter's record. 50 total bases, a franchise record <laughs> by insane. 13 bases from that game in 2019 in which the Skeeters had six home runs. So essentially, we created the, the high watermark for just about every offensive record in our franchise history. 50 total bases. Is how, how crazy yeah. is that? Imagine the kid that's sitting there like before the game, like, Dad, baseball's slow. Nothing happens. And then 50 total bases, 24 50 runs. total bases. For the record, too, that is the most from a minor league baseball team, regardless of level, double A, high A, low A, from a team this season. No one's had 50 total bases in a game. That that has I'm, – I'm just going to guess right now that's going to be in the top three at least by the end of the season. I mean, ha, I mean yeah, has to be. That, that game alone. You do get some lopsided games in yes. minor league baseball, but 50 total <laughs> bases. I mean, that's seven home runs, and I mean, and they were there was a couple three run home runs mixed in there there too. I mean, you you get seven home runs, and then also 12 extra base hits, and it's just a single game. Absolutely crazy. I mean, speaking of home runs, Jake Myers though. In his last four games, he's 11 of 18. That's 611 batting average. I mean, he has six home runs and 10 RBIs. That that's like MVP level. Yeah, I mean, Jake Myers, another guy we talked about, Siri. He really came out of the gates red hot, and yeah. then over the last homestand, you know, the production kind of slipped a little bit compared to where he started, which was like hitting 400. So it was going kind of back. You know, the averages were starting to get back to normal, and then all of a sudden, this series happens, and yeah, he's got six home runs over his last three games. He's now has a career high twelve home runs. The most he had in a season before is nine. Um, so kudos to Jake Myers. Obviously, that's the way the game's going. Get the ball in the air, and when you go to El Paso, capitalize on it because El Paso is a band box. That's going to be one of the easiest places to hit in terms of hitting home runs all year. And he has made it count. Um, fun player to watch, and he's also he's regarded as the Astros' best defensive outfielder uh, via Baseball America. So I think he's he's not in your top thirty prospects right now, uh, MLB.com. But I think he's one of those guys where. He's going to get more of a look in those top 30 lists. He's somebody that has all the tools that I've seen so far. Because, I mean, not only can he hit for power, which, boy, is he showing, but he can also hit the gaps. He's got great speed. And then you mentioned it also, his defensive abilities. He had, a, I believe it was in, um, in Albuquerque, right, where he just Hospital straight assist, up yep. gunned a guy from center. I mean, it was... Someone tried to attack from second yeah, to third on him. Just not Bad happening. Move. Bad move. And, I mean, he was out there in center field, too, which is a deep center field in Albuquerque. Yeah. And just straight up... I mean, if you haven't seen that video, that's on our Twitter feed. You need to go look at him just mowing the runner down. That's what's so impressive. Like, I knew Jake was a great defensive player. I knew that he was going to be somebody that had good speed. He's clearly athletic. I mean, in, in Nebraska, he was also a dominant pitcher as well. And he's somebody that's extremely brainiac as well. He's a Big Ten academic All-American. And he is just next level. Like, I, you mentioned it. He's not in the top 30 prospects, but 
it doesn't take a genius to look at this guy and think he can be productive at the next level. Oh, yeah. There are a lot of guys who never cracked those top 30 prospect lists that go on to be incredibly productive. And, and to be fair leaders. to us, we kind of mentioned that with this team, that a lot of these guys aren't ranked in the top 100 prospects of Baseball America. But you're going to see these guys be productive. And they've been doing that, especially the last couple of nights. And somebody else, Brian De La Cruz, he has been quietly dominating i mean he had his second multi-home run game last night on sunday he's somebody that can has been driving and runs and droves uh he's got his 17th multi-hit game i mean the guy behind him is siri so between de la cruz siri and myers right now those are the three that are just swinging the hottest bat in this el paso series yeah i mean de la cruz entering tuesday hitting 375 over his last 12 that'll that'll play 12 he was he was a, a key cog in the those two blowout wins and and, you know, De La Cruz is a guy who really – he had an injury kind of right at the end of spring training, and I think he's a guy that might have pushed and made himself onto the big league roster and he not got injured. Um, but very consistent um, guy who's got power, speed, the, the whole nine. I mean, right now he's in the top ten in AAA West and hits, runs, and RBIs. Um, the outfield is incredibly strong. Uh, yeah. Ronnie Dawson right now kind of dealing with a day-to-day -day, uh, injury. But even without Ronnie Dawson, who, who – I mean, again, he's that, that's a key part of that outfield. Right now, between guys like Brian De La Cruz, uh, J.J. Matajevic, who homered in his first AAA at bat, J.J. is going to play a little first base in D.H. as well. But then you also have Jake Myers, Jose Siri. That outfield is still a big strength of this team. The outfield is insane in terms of exactly what you're saying. They're an MLB ticket to come watch these guys. Yeah. They're, they're extremely exciting to just watch them play. And again, they play with a little bit of fun. That's the other thing that I really like about this team is not only are we kind of backing it up with our swing, but they got some swag, man. And that's the I think it's led by the outfield, to be honest with you. No, I agree. And I'm going to give you a guy, Brandon, who I've really been impressed with. And he's... Had to kind of get, I, I don't know, to me it seemed like, it seems like he's getting more playing time maybe than it was expected at the beginning of the year, and I can be totally off. And that's the guy behind the plate, Michael Papirski. And yeah. Lorenzo Quintana was traded to the Marlins, and Garrett Stubbs has been here pretty fleetingly. Like, he will, he seems like he's here for a day. He's got, he, you know, then Alex Bregman, unfortunately, went on the 10-day IL, call back up. He's been on the taxi squad. So Papirski has started the bulk of the catching. He had a four-hit game on Monday, hit his second home run of the year. He's hitting 282, but he's getting on base at a clip in the 380 range. So he's getting on base a ton. Can play first. He plays a great first base, too. He's a switch hitter. I've been really impressed with Papirski. And he actually even got a deal on the taxi squad at one point on a road trip, too. So, um, you know, the Astros are obviously noticing this as well. We, you know, I kind of made the joke when we were talking about him being a catcher. And I was like, dude, he's 6'3". Like, he's a big guy. I didn't know how that would translate. And you can see he's pure athletic. I mean, the fact that he can play first base. And like you mentioned, he's a really good first baseman. But even when he goes behind the dish, like, he's still a strong catcher. He's great at keeping the ball in front of him. I, I mean, not too many people have challenged him on his arm. He's got he's got a strong gun too. So, and you're right, the fact that he's a switch hitter makes him really interesting because a switch hitting catcher that can play multiple positions as well. I mean, every team will sign up for that kind of guy. Yes, and he's a good you know good clubhouse guy. He's the kind of guy you want behind the plate, like a kind of like a captain running the show, you know, yeah. more or less. Well, as we mentioned, the last two games have been ridiculous. Brandon, I'll leave you with this one crazy note on Sunday and Monday. The Skeeters hit a combined 478, scored 34 <laughs> runs, and collected 44 hits. Now the key is going to be as the Oklahoma State Dodgers come to town for the first time, and I mean, I don't need to rile up Astros fans. I know that's the word Dodgers kind of makes people foam at the mouth a little <laughs> bit out here, and I, I get it, and I do too. 
But uh, that's going to be the key, seeing how we can carry it over. Uh, you're exactly right. This is something that we can put a significant gap in our, our division here. If we can really separate five and a half games, the Dodgers are out of first play or uh, behind us right now. If we can sweep that series, I mean, it really is going to be a two-headed race between us and Round Rock. The one thing that's nice, though, is we do play Albuquerque a lot for the rest of the season. They're right now last in the division, 12 and a half games out. And then we also play El Paso a lot, too. And right now, we are 9-1 and one against El Paso. I mean, we swept them when the Chihuahuas came here into town. So the fact that we play the bottom two teams a lot more going forward, it's going to be an interesting race here. That's a good team in El Paso. They yeah, got no, guys like Chicopita Marcano, Brian O'Grady. Uh, Luis Campusano, Mackenzie Gore, like they got prospects, they got veterans. We just have their name. They have their number. Yeah, it's, it's exactly right. It's just between those two teams, like they're a lot, they're really good prospects, but man, we are looking quite solid against that. We have. We've looked great against the Chihuahuas, just great overall in general this year. And as we fit, get ready to finish off this episode, we're going to have a little fun as we normally do. And we are going to play Pick a Skeeter when we come back here on Down in Sugar. Okay, welcome back to Down in Sugar. And we're going to close out this episode with. Pick a Skeeter, the first ever rendition of this segment, and we are going to give you a subject, and you must pick a Skeeter to finish out that subject. And Troy, we haven't heard a lot from you yet today, so we're going to start with you. Okay. Pick a Skeeter to catch you in a trust fall. Ooh. You know, I'm probably going to go with Colton Shaver mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. I mean, he's a bigger guy. It's like it's like falling into a teddy bear, you know? <laughs> you, he, I, yeah. That's w- a that's a dependable hand you're going to. I would definitely just I would trust him. He seems nice too. Yeah, BYU go Cougars. Oh yeah, Brandon. Uh somebody to catch me if I'm falling. I'd probably pick Jose Siri just because I seen that guy play the outfield and he catches everything. So Ooh. right, you see what <laughs> nice. I did there. Very well. <laughs> so I'm definitely taking Siri because if I'm falling, I can trust him. Okay, good to know. Well, I kind of I kind of ripped off you on that one because I'm going with Michael Papirski. He plays catcher, so I feel <laughs> pretty good about being caught. He's also as in Detroit's, you know, his thinking, big guy, six four, two thirty plus, um, and he's switch. He's he's a switch hitter. So I mean, if I fall a bit to the left, maybe fall to the right. Like he's got both sides, and like I'm a big dude too, so I'm gonna need a little help. Um, but yeah, I, I thought like he's at the catcher. Got a catch. And on top of that, I mean, he also plays first base as well. So he can scoop you if he yeah, needs to. Exactly. It's one of those things. That's a very good pick. You can pick me out of the dirt if I, I mean, need. Yeah, yeah. 6'3", 224, <laughs> those long arms. So, like, if you're if you're low, if you're high, he's got you either yeah, way. Yeah, that's, that's, that's why I'm going Michael Schaefer, Lepierski. I think, is a softer landing. You know, like, would you ever do, like, camp and you got that big blob thing and you jump and go there? Like, that's what I would want for Schaefer. I, yeah. think, he, I think that's a nice, safe landing. Siri, to me, is just, like, you're falling into marble. Yeah, you're. I mean, you're. You are. You are falling into like absolute concrete. But, but he, I know he's he, going to catch me. Sticky concrete. Yeah, he, he's going to he catch. He will me. be caught. Okay, good, good. That's how we're off to a great start. Okay, the next one, Brandon, you will lead off here. Pick a skeeter to do an escape room with. Uh, so if I have to get out, I'm definitely taking Jake Myers. I mentioned it earlier. The guy was a Big Twelve or Big Ten academic All American two time. So not only is he going to solve the clues, but if he can't figure it out, I figure he can like MacGyver our way out there. He's like, I need your shoelace, a piece of gum, and then we're outside the door, you know. So I think he's got the wits <laughs> that he's going to get us out in plenty of time. You have him just giving you a shoelace and a piece of gum. <laughs> Done, dude. I promise you. No matter what, that guy's smart enough to get it out. <laughs> I love it. Okay, Troy, who do you got? Uh, I'm going to go Ronnie Dawson for no other reason than he just seems like a good time, someone I want to hang out with. He seems uh, very uh, personable. Yeah. And uh, 
you know, escape room, you do it with your friends. Well, like worst case scenario, be, you don't escape and you're just hanging out with Ronnie right. Dawson. Yeah. I want to be friends with Ronnie Dawson. Yeah. We all do. It's good. We guy. didn't escape a room, but we escaped not having a friendship. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you can't escape friendship with that guy. You will be his friend. Um, I went back to a little more of the, uh, the practicality route. I went Renel Blanco because I've seen that guy escape out of more jams and get us out of more oh, tough yes. spots out of the bullpen. I don't mean I don't know I don't know him too well, but I feel like man he escapes danger. I mean he gets, he's leading our team with five saves, so I'm, I'm gonna go with Renel Blanco. He's gonna get us out of that jam out the of the escape room. Logic with you, it's just yeah, it's on the money. It's, yeah. it's sound. Okay, well, we'll go Troy finish us off here. Who, if you had to pick a skeeter, do you want to star with in a buddy cop sitcom? Oh, dude, you know I gotta go with my boy Kit Sheets. Reliever pitcher. Big kid sheets guy dude, over here. He comes out. I mean, he just looks he, he looks like a fun like dude to hang out with. He comes out to my Sharona for his walkout song. <laughs> the Ramones. And it's like, you know, no. It's not the Ramones. <laughs> All right. So, so you're going to miss. You don't know movies or music. <laughs> Good try, though. <laughs> anyway, he's got the big blonde locks. I was like, maybe I could see us, you know, just solving crime together. Yeah. I love when Kit Sheets comes out. To me, he'd be that cop like Starsky and Hutch where he has exactly. that like that's nice what, ride. Not like I'm a typical cop car, right? You're going to get to jam. Who's he would, the, let, so he would let you drive it too. You know? <laughs> so he's the good cop, you're the bad cop if you had to go to that route? You know what? We're just, we're just both good Or is guys. a good cop, good cop? I think, I think he would be the cop that like is good with the people on the street. So he gets the, yeah. the, the intel without being, you know, a snitch when you go to him. Yeah, no, it's I, 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 that's a great choice. Brandon, who do you got, though? Uh, I'm going Brett Canine because he's going to be Canine the Canine. And with and I'm sure he'll be cool with it. <laughs> because <laughs> So now you have Ms. McGruff, the, fi- the crime-fighting dog. Exactly. And how that's not his nickname already, Canine, <laughs> I don't understand. I love it. So I think just the name alone, because I think our title – would work really well because I can be like, well, canine, it's another mystery solved, you know, and he would just be awesome to have that. You just be like, Roof. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he didn't have to act like a dog. I mean, we could just, maybe he's got a really strong nose. <laughs> he's got a strong nose for crime. So, so he's not, he doesn't which, have to play a dog. He's just, he's just got the nickname. Yeah. Every good buddy cop show, somebody's got a solid nickname. Yeah. Like, well, maybe he's just like, He's like a dog on like a, on a bone to solve the crime. There you see, all of it is too punny, and that's why I want it to all come together. And you should have a good nose since you don't have a sense of smell. That's how we make up. That's why exactly. we're partners. Because the police chief was like, "We've got to make up for this," and then I get stuck with the canine. And first we, you know, we butt heads, but then we come together. Wow! And the next thing you know, we're having multiple sequels. I, JJ <laughs> Abrams, if you're listening, yeah. I mean, you might want to get in on this. Lost. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Um, I'm going, I, I'm going to steal one from Troy earlier. I'm going Ronnie Dawson just for the fact of like, you know, Ronnie's going to keep you in a good frame of mind, level head for a lot of, a lot of long nights, a lot of donuts, a lot of coffee. You want somebody who you're going to be hang, want to hang out with, keep it light. Ronnie Dawson's the guy. He'd also have the perfect like cop shades and smile for your movie poster yes. or like TV poster. He's great in press conferences. Like he's the guy you send out there in the press conference for sure. Absolutely. Like he, he's going to be the guy that just... Solves crime, but also, you know, gives a hug at the end of it, too. Everybody's like, loving yeah, it. Yeah, when we find the Batman, he's the cop you send out there to declare to the people that the Batman has been found. Right? He's possibly running for mayor in his retired career. Yes. Like, he, he's, got, he's the man of the people. Absolutely. Well, okay, that is a, that is going to take a wrap on Pick a Skeeter. I think we're going to have to get that segment back here at some point. That was a lot of fun, guys. Um, well, that's going to do it. It was fun uh, getting back on, the, uh, back on the saddle, talking Skeeter's baseball here on Down in Circle Land. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you for listening.